Have you been living under a rock for the past few months? Now, perchance you have been living under your favorite rock, then you're probably out of the political loop. And so you might not want to hear this. In fact, you may be heading back toward your rock now to crawl under it. But here it is. Hang with me for just a second. There is a presidential election happening in the United States this coming November. Americans all over the country from every corner. We will go to the polls. We will cast a ballot for the person that we want to be our next president. Now, for the Christian, it's a time where where faith and responsibility intersect at, the, at a very high level. Now, I would appeal to you to listen to this podcast, because what I want to do is I want to share a Christian perspective on the presidential election. In fact, that's the title of the podcast, A Christian Perspective on the Presidential Election. Just give me a few minutes, I will share a Christian perspective on a presidential election, and then if you choose, you can go back under your rock. But I appeal that you will stand on the rock and that you will do your duty this this coming election season. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for your daily drive. If you would like, you can read this podcast. The article is by the same name, A Christian Perspective on the Presidential Election, and you're welcome to read it, share it, make a, a topic of discussion, especially if you have family, if you have children, that this may be an excellent article for them to read. Hopefully it will envision them perhaps for your small group as well. You can copy the URL at the top of your browser and put it in a text or put it in an email, and please please feel free to share it with your friends. Now, we also have a, a print feature, and you can take that print feature, and, and of course, you can share that too, and that would be fantastic. Print it off and share it with someone. To vote for our national leaders is a privilege in our country country. Now, I think that this should be self-evident, and if it's not, it's vital to know that every individual that's listening to this podcast does not have that privilege where they live. And there are a lot of people that are hating on America. It's always been that way, and I suppose as, as long as there's human depravity and a whole lot of lack of gratitude, it will always be that way. But voting, it's not something that we should take for granted. Because comparatively speaking, it's somewhat unusual that we get to do that. Now, I know that there are many problematic issues with our nation, but to be able to vote for a president, it is, and it always has been, one of the better things. But the privilege of voting for a leader is even sweeter for Christians because our Americanism, that's not the essential thing that describes who we are. Living in America and being an American is like having a temporary visa because of our alien status. America is not our permanent address. We have a citizenship that is literally otherworldly and literally life-altering. Listen to the sentence that Paul gave us about this notion in Philippians 3.20. He said, but our Christians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All Christians should live as they are in a foreign country. 
like Abraham, our Old Testament brother. God has called some of his children to live in America for his fame, and so we take up American soil with our tents, but not as people with deep roots. We are waiting on the Lord to take us to a better place as we live out this final chapter for that glorious, as we wait for that glorious exodus. Listen to Hebrews 11 as the writer talked about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Hebrews 11. When the good Lord calls us to our permanent, eternal home, we will gladly kiss this place goodbye and follow him to the land of promise. You know, it's this awareness that shapes the Christian worldview regarding our temporary existence on earth, which is why our hearts are not unduly troubled by this coming election. Now, maybe that's not true for you. If it's not true for you, we tend to go in one or two directions. You're either fretting, you're worrying, you're anxious, or you're sinfully angry and upset and frustrated. That tends to be the two emotive responses when we think about things that are really vital to us, especially when they're not going the way that we want them to be or want them to go. But I trust that your heart is not unduly troubled. As a responsible citizen in my temporary home, I will cast my vote. And I will, that's human responsibility, and I will ask the Lord to accomplish his perfect will in the outcome. That's the Lord's sovereignty. And I will rest in my Lord, which is one of the many perks of being in his family. You can exercise your human responsibility in the family of God, and you can rest in, in God's sovereignty. And so I trust this potent verse that I'm going to, or verses that I'm going to share with you that it does settle your soul as you think about the election season and the final result. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. Now, I know you've heard these verses before, but what I would love for you to do is to contextualize them around the election season. Here is what Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, John 14, 1, 2, and 3. One of the ways you can think about living as a foreigner in a foreign land is to consider yourself on vacation. Now, for some, this could be the worst vacation of your life, and I have had the worst, and I'm not talking about a literal vocation, uh, vacation, but when I compare parts of my life to a vacation, it, it, was the, it was a horrible vacation. So I want you to hang with me with this analogy. And so just think about it like this. Living on earth is, is like a vacation. You go on a vacation for a short period, right? If it's a great vacation— 
you're okay if you can extend it. Dad, can we can we stay another week? Can we stay another day? I love vacation. I, I get that. For those of us who have had horrible life experiences or we're nearing the end of our lives, we do look forward to entering into the Lord's rest. Now, I've had both of these things now that I'm an older person. I've had a season, maybe several, of horrible experiences. I was talking to someone recently that now, as an older person, I I count off my life in decades. It's easier to collect decades than it is to remember all the years, and I've collected several decades now, and, and there's been a couple of those decades that have just been, well, maybe about three of them that have just been horrific. But I'm also, I have this other thing going for me, too. I'm at the end of life. I'm in the window. I was sharing that with Lucia this morning. I am in the window now that I'm post-60. Not that not that any of us aren't in the window because we can all die. And that's what I mean by being in the window. You can die at, at any moment, and I understand that. But as you get older, you tend to think about your mortality a little more than you did probably when you were 24 years old. And so I'm in the window. And so I've had horrible life experiences, and I'm at the end of life. And I can tell you in both of those situations, I have looked forward to entering in the Lord's rest. But when things are going good, when it really is a nice vacation, here's something that you always do when you're on vacation. You act responsibly because you are a Christian. You don't steal the towels from the hotels. You don't take the Bibles while you're staying there. You want to be Jesus everywhere you go, even while vacationing. But it's never lost on you that it's not your home. You do have a permanent residence, and at some point you do long to go home, to be there. And oh, how how my soul longs for another community, a city on a hill, a place called heaven. And so meanwhile, back on earth, Christians have a responsibility. Just like on vacation, we have a responsibility to make God's name great because believers do not divorce themselves from who they are, no matter where they live, whether on vacation or at home, whether living in this life or living in the next life. We are Christ-like examples who hope that our sphere of influence will observe our lives and follow us. As Paul said in Ephesians 5, as beloved children, imitate God. We are stewards of God's blessings all the time. And so this worldview about stewardship is why all Christians want to steward their national responsibility. In this case, I'm talking about electing a president through a biblical filter. And it's why we do our duty as temporary citizens by modeling and practicing this stewardship opportunity. We are stewards of the gift of life, and casting a vote is one of the ways we can steward the responsibility of being a permanent Christian in temporary America. Voting is something that I do because I care about my temporary country. I don't think that I know a Christian living in America who hates America. This is a wonderful country. And while I am a sovereigntist by practice, I also believe in human responsibility. I am comfortable living in the mystery 
of those two truths. You see, believers live in that space between God's sovereign control of all things and our responsibility, in this case, to vote. Lucia and I are passing this stewardship vision to our children. We've been doing that for years. And so when they were younger, they they went with us to the voting place. They're older now. It's harder to collect children and do family events all the time when they are older. But this was a family event, and it had had been for, for years. Now, they didn't fully understand the process, but they loved being with us. They, they loved standing in long, curvy lines as we were chatting up our neighbors, they didn't see that as being boring, but kids can find fun in almost any place. Now, typically what we would do is we'd take pastries to the poll volunteers, and we would thank them for their sacrifice by serving us. You see, we are a nonprofit organization. Now, of course, let me make a plug there for those of you who would love to support our ministry and didn't know that. We are a nonprofit organization, and you are more than welcome to support us. In fact, we need you to support us so that me and our team can continue to provide these free resources for you. But one of the perks of a nonprofit status is that we go to Panera Bread, and that Panera gives us their leftovers. Currently, as of this podcast, we've been doing that every Friday night of our lives. Sometimes we help people to take our spot uh, or, or to do it for us. But every Friday night of our lives, virtually, we go to Panera and have been for about seven years, and they give us all their left leftovers so that we can give it away to folks. And it's it comes out retail over $30,000 every year. We don't get any money. They use our nonprofit status, and then we get free bread, we give the bread away, people are blessed, Panera gets to write it off, and everybody's a winner. And so what we would do is that we would take pastries to the folks at the voting place because they were serving our community so well. And then our kids loved the voting stickers, and it was one of those family memories that we could gift to our children that they would remember all of their lives. Now, I hope the process of voting will be one of the many ways our children will think about stewarding the Lord's mercies to us. When our oldest came of age, she did follow our lead by casting her ballot. Not not every person gets a chance to cast a vote for a temporary leader of their temporary home. In most presidential elections, Two leading candidates are running for office. Typically, neither candidate carries an authentic Christian message or fully embraces all of our Christian values. Honestly, in most cases, the more vital thing in secular events is more about pragmatism, meaning I'll take the position that will give me the most votes. And typically, if 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 Christian popularity is the thing that's in, uh, then these Christian, I mean, these presidential candidates will say the Christian thing. That's how it goes. Authentic Christian candidates tend to get shouted down or marginalized when it comes to the popular vote. I would not expect anything else in a pagan country where the centrality of Christ is a target for mocking rather than a reality that calls for our highest praises. When it comes to politics, little has changed throughout human history. If Christ were running for office in his day, I'm sure the power brokers would have doubled down to make sure he would not ascend to a political position of power. In most cases, we have two candidates who either reject God outright or they marginally acknowledge him, 
which always raises the question among some Christians, how can you vote for a non-believer? Now, this question to me is odd in light of our consistent affirmation of many non-Christian things. We cast our ballots, we affirm, we give money, we support unbelievers and their causes regularly. It's a common practice for Christians to do this. To live in this world, honestly, you cannot do otherwise. You have to participate in ungodly things, even if it's going to the grocery store and giving people money. That money doesn't go exclusively to Christians. Who is, what is one of your favorite movies? More than likely, all of them aren't Christian flicks. What about a popular leader who does not line up with all of your ethics, but you agree with them on matters that are vital to you? You do not have to feel guilty about participating or enjoying something from a fellow image bearer who happens to be a pagan if it's not compromising your morality. God's common grace does reign on unjust people. And sometimes some pagan people use their gifting in such a way that a Christian can support, can follow. You should not have a conscience issue about voting for an unregenerate person who lines up better with your Christian values. Now, of course, you can refrain from voting if it is a conscience issue for you. How does not participating, this is the question that I would ask you, how does not participating square with your call to be salt and light in your world? And so there are two controlling verses that I find comfort in when it comes to national elections. They also help me to guard my heart against anger, worry, anxiety, and fear, the two ways that we can go off when we're troubled by what's going on, whether it's electorally in our politics or something else, anger or worry, anxiety, fretting, fear. If these, if these are new to you in light of this article, perhaps you can add these verses to your toolbox as a, a measure to shore up against temptations. Here they are, Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. If that's new to you, in light of this article, would you contextualize this verse in, in this podcast that I'm sharing with you? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. The other one is Romans 9.17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. God will have his person in the office. Become a good sovereigntist when it comes to elections. You're not dismissing your responsibility. Again, I'm not saying that. I've collected them together. But you want to find your sweet spot between those two doctrinal responsibilities. Are you comfortable living in that mystery? Of course, you do know that there is a logical priority when it comes to sovereignty and responsibility. Though you live in the mystery, that, that space between those two pillars you know Sovereign Lord is always first in your theology and your practice. Listen to how Peter 
talked about these two doctrines when he was preaching in Acts, as he brought these two realities together, he merged God's definite plan to crucify his son and the responsible people who delivered Jesus as part of the Lord's redemptive purposes. He says this in Acts 2.22, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, that's sovereignty in action, Comma, you crucified and killed by lawless men. What Peter was doing here, he was talking about primary and secondary causes. God is always the primary cause, while fully responsible humans are the secondary cause who cooperate with God in the story that God is writing. Though you have the opportunity to do something, vote. You can simultaneously rest knowing that God is always in control, no matter who wins. If your candidate does not get in office, you continue to situate your faith in sovereign Lord rather than the candidate of your choice. This season is not a time for anxiousness or anger, not if you're a believer not if you're a Christian. This political opportunity is a time for people of faith to demonstrate to the world what true worship is when practically applied. Who knows? Maybe God will raise a lousy president to make his name great. It won't be the first time he did this. I have wondered how folks thought about Pharaoh rising to political prominence during the time of Egyptian world power. I don't think I would have voted for him. I mean, obviously I'm looking at it through the rearview mirror. I would have hoped for Moses to rule. He gets my vote. Moses is my uh, my man. But God chose another man because he had a better plan. Perhaps these two thoughts will stabilize your heart as you think about an ungodly president at the helm of our country. Thought number one, you could fret while responding with anger. Or number two, you could let the world see that you've situated your faith in the knowledge that God is in control even when your candidate does not win. Now, which of those two thoughts are you going to hang your hat? My prayer for you is that you will vote and show your faith in God, even if your candidate does not get in office. You can do this because you are a Christian, and you know at some level of your heart that human strategies or the devil's schemes will not thwart the plans of God. One of the curiosities about Christians in politics is the lack of faith that some of them exhibit. It is becoming rare to hear faith-filled responses from Christians during, during a political cycle. Too many Christians sound similar to the secular culture in their snarkiness, frustration, and fretting. Graciousness, grace, and grace-filled are not the norm when believers get involved in politics. It's sad. If you were to put all the Christian comments about politics and politicians in the same basket as the world's speech, it would be a challenge to tell the difference. 
Paul talked about it this way in Colossians 4, 6. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We should be heavenly, <laughs> heavenly, we should be heavily involved in the happenings of our country, but we should be doing it with faith and grace rather than thinking and talking and acting like the world. When it comes to politics, some Christians seem to be more under the spell of harsh talking heads than the illuminating and controlling power of Jesus Christ. I did an article recently talking about this, how it's unwise to, to imitate some of our leaders. Now, in, in that podcast, in that article, I talked about imitating Christian leaders and non-Christian leaders. It doesn't matter. But unfortunately, it doesn't matter which type of person that we're talking about if you're imitating the worst characteristics of a human being. But unfortunately, when it comes to politics, too many Christians take not only take their cues from harsh-talking heads, but they imitate them. James talked about it like this in 3.9. He said, "...with our tongues." We bless our Lord and Father, and with our tongues we curse people who are made in the, in the likeness of God. I don't vote for folks who are against some of the things that I value. Now, truthfully, I've, I've, I've gone through, I guess I was born when Dwight Eisenhower was a president, but I have no memory of him. I do remember John F. Kennedy and then everyone that came after him, Lyndon Johnson and, and Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan and George Bush and Bill Clinton and George Bush, Barack Obama, and as of to date, uh, Donald Trump. I don't vote for folks who are against some of the things that I value, but I have always voted, and so I have to, in virtually every case, I have to choose the lesser of two evils. But that's what I was saying earlier. I don't think, and I don't, I don't mean to be negative or pessimistic here, but I don't think you're ever going to find, I don't think that we'll ever see the day, not in this fallen world, where there will be a, a president that will line up so true to Christian doctrine and so I find the one that, that lines up the best. But I can't say that every president in my lifetime that, that has been elected does line up. In fact, several of these presidents that I just mentioned, I did not vote for. But here's the thing. I will not speak unkindly or derogatory about them. I will talk about their politics you see, they are people made in the image of God. They don't need my sinful anger. They don't need my hatred. They need my Jesus. I suspect I will never agree with their politics or their agendas, but I do pray for them. The title of this podcast is A Christian Perspective on the Presidential Election. I have a call to action here, but I want to draw attention to this poster that I made, and I would love for you to look at it, 
you can screenshot it, you can get it off our website, and you can share it, and that would be wonderful for you. I'm going to read the points to it, and it's called Eight Planks. It's Eight Planks on my political platform. Here are the eight planks. I will explain them in just a second. The eight planks of my political platform are temporary, number two, love, number three, faith, number four, responsible, Number five, proclaim. Number six, prayer. Number seven, sovereignty. And number eight, victory. And this is what they mean. And again, it's all on this poster here. And again, I would love for you to uh, to get it and, and share it and however you, you wish. Just don't alter it in any way, please. Temporary, America is not my home. I'm a stranger passing through this country. Love. I will love my temporary country and do my part to make it better, which means I will vote. Faith. Due to my temporary citizenship, I will not get bent out of shape when things don't go my way. Temporary. Love. Faith. Number four. Responsible. I will seek to fulfill my human responsibility, though my vote is not where my faith rests. Number five. Proclaim. Regardless of who is in office, I will continue to seek to tell others about Jesus. Number six, prayer. I will pray for the person the Lord allows in office. Number seven, sovereignty. I trust my sovereign Lord to take care of all things. And then number eight, victory. We win. We win, ultimately. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to talk to our team, we have a free community forum that is provided for you by those who support our ministry. And so if you have a question about politics, human responsibility, sovereignty, maybe you have a question about something else. Well, what I would ask you to do is please read the article. Make sure you understand it clearly. Come to our website. Get your username and password, ask your question, and it would be a joy for us to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.